Hi, this is Savannah Saunders from The Wonderful World of Dance, and today I am super thrilled to introduce world-famous ballerina, who actually almost needs no introduction, Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet. Now, with dance around the world being decimated by the COVID pandemic, and with so many theatres closed and live performances cancelled, dancers are facing the most challenging of times. Tyler has been a true inspiration during this difficult period with her turnout with Tyler online classes. She's launched her book, Katarina Ballerina, and has a new project coming our way this month. Tyler has curated and is starring in a virtual showcase of three incredible performances called A New Stage, which features styles from ballet to hip hop to tap. A New Stage will be available to stream from the 16th of October on CLI Studios website. So let's find out about this World Famous Ballerina dance life and her experience of curating a new stage. Hi, Tyler. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for chatting with me from New York today. Yes. <laughs> so it has been months since the COVID hit the world and the dance industry. Tell me about your own experience of lockdown. What was it like for you? I mean, I, you know, for all being honest, it's been very challenging, especially for the performing arts, right? I mean, I feel like we are one of the ones that are hit the hardest because our industry needs audiences to have a performance. And so I feel like we might be some of the last ones to come back. So it's very scary to have that uncertainty. Um, but I am definitely the type of person to kind of always be thinking forward and not wanting to waste this time. As a dancer, our career is so short. So for me, even though I'm not able to do what I normally do by going into the studio or performing at Lincoln Center, I was like, I need to find a new way, to, you know, the new normal right now. And um, that is what kind of sparked my classes, Turn It Out with Tyler, and then also um, these performances that are going to be available starting on Friday called The New Stage. And this uh, this whole sort of digital dance explosion, which is so fantastic for the industry during this time, and you mentioned there your turnout with Tyler classes, which so many thousands and thousands of people turned in tuned into. What was it like for you delivering those classes online? It actually came about very organically because I had never done an Instagram class like a live. I had never done an Instagram live anything. I didn't know how to do it. And um, the idea actually came because my sister is the principal of a high school. And she needed to go on Zoom immediately after lockdown. They had to, you know, switch their curriculum. And my mother teaches dance at her school. So she said, Tyler, since you're home, why don't you teach the kids today? I'm sure they would just be overjoyed if you just popped in and surprised them. And I thought, oh, that sounds fun. And since I'm going to be giving myself class because I need to stay in shape, might as well just teach them. And that's what got me thinking, well, if I'm going to let these high school students take class, why don't I also just put on Instagram live at the same time and see if anybody else wants to take? And I had no idea how it worked. Like, I didn't know. I, I was like, is this working? I didn't know what the numbers meant. People were telling me, turn off the comments. We can't see your legs. I mean, it was, I was such a rookie. But then 
I started figuring it out and I thought, oh, I think a lot of people just took class and I think that they're really liking this. And then the messages and the response that I got was just so overwhelming that I thought, okay, like this is really no trouble for me. Like I would love to be able to share with them what I know during this time while things are more accessible to an audience that normally I can't reach. So in a way it was the best thing to keep me in shape because I need to do a class daily, but also give this gift to so many students or just people um, for an hour a day to have some sort of structure. And tell me about some of the messages that you got, some of the feedback and the love. I mean, it was just the range of people taking the class that really, I still can't quite believe. I mean, around the world, like, you know, in the UK, in India, in Iran, people saying, I can't dance, you know, it's, it's not legal here. And so to be able to just do this in the privacy of my own home, I mean, when I got that message, I was like, mom, look at this, you know? So for me to feel like I'm touching one person's life is amazing. And these classes and the messages I got really, I really reached a large number of people. And I, I mean, it really felt like this huge gift to me during the pandemic. It's like, it was what I looked forward to every single day. That story about the feedback from Iran, honestly, you've just given me complete and utter chills because obviously they're, they're not allowed to dance in public. And to be able to give, as you say, that gift to someone's life, that's quite powerful. Yes, and also so many, you know, messages about mental health. Like, you know, I'm really struggling and I, I um, actually have been having a few years where I haven't been happy and I'll just want you to know that your classes are something that I look forward to every day. And, I mean, how do you not just love getting those messages? If it, It's just, it feels like you have a purpose, you know? And so it was nice every day to feel like I had a lot of people counting on me. Because it must have been also difficult for you as a professional full-time dancer to find yourself all of a sudden at home, confined, restricted. How did you stay mentally motivated beyond these, these classes and also physically um, looking after your body? What was that challenge like for you? You know, it, it was difficult, um, but... I had a very good perspective because I just came off of a very serious injury. So this time last year, I was told I may never even dance. So for me, as much as this was very scary, all I kept thinking was at least I'm healthy and I can move my neck again. It was my neck that I had inj injured at least I'm able to dance. I might not be able to be dancing on a stage right now or in a studio with friends, but I can move. And so for me, I was like, I'm not going to sit out another six months. I just did that. I just got back to performing. So I was really determined to stay in performance shape as best as I could because I'd just gone through six months of no dancing and then boom, back on stage and then boom, the pandemic. So it is challenging, you know, I, I am a very uplifting kind of person, like I have that type of personality, but 
I can't pretend, you know, we all are in the same boat and there are some days where all I want is for it to go back to normal, you know, um, but we're all just doing the best that we can. As you say, that must have been really hard having just been through the whole, you know, six months of injury. What was that period like for you? Because there are other dancers around the world who have have faced injuries or will face injuries, particularly as they're returning to the studio. How did you deal with that period in your life and, and getting that type of news as well, that type of prognosis? Yeah, it was probably getting the news was probably the most difficult day of my life, it felt like. Um, but I will say that there is beauty in every sort of obstacle that you end up overcoming. And I know that sounds, you know, cliche, but it really is true. And I feel like I came back such a different, more mature, more artistically rich, like just the dancer that I am. I'm, I love so much more after my injury. And it's because you're able to bring those sort of experiences and put them into, you know, your career as a dancer and that emotion shows and I feel like the audience is able to relate to you a little bit more because they can see that you know the audience can sense and they can feel so that's what I would say that you know this time this pandemic is only going to make you a stronger individual and it will help you grow as a person which is then going to help you grow as an artist I believe. And as we see theatres reopening around the world, less so in New York and in the States, but more so in Europe at the moment, and live performances coming back, what is, what are you, what's your journey back to the studio looking like and back to performance? And how has the company been looking after you during this really important time? It's been very difficult because I think New York is probably one of the slower cities to reopen. And also New York City Ballet is such a large organization. I feel like in this time, it's actually easier if you are a smaller company because we have so many dancers that it's hard to pick, you know, oh, these ones can come back or these ones can't. So honestly, we don't really know what's happening with New York City Ballet. We don't have a, a plan. We're kind of just waiting. So we don't know when we'll be back. So that is why I was determined to find, I was like, I can't wait to perform until I don't know when, you know, I need to have something to look forward to. And um, so that was kind of where this performance, a new stage kind of came about. I kind of dreamt it up and had this crazy idea and then somehow we made it happen. Wow. It sounds like um, came to you in a dream. It's called a dream. I'm oh, sorry, a new stage rather, not a dream. Um, what really inspires you want to want to do this and how how did you make that that dream become a reality? I think it came from the people that I grew a close bond with during Turn It Out with Tyler. I feel like so many people, um, we kind of built a friendship, you know, I feel like I let them into my home. They met my family. Like, I really felt like they got to know me as a person and my personality. And so I would get lots of messages just saying, 
how much people were missing going to the theater and how much that was a part of their lives and they don't have that anymore. So for me, I thought I got to thinking, I was like, okay, all of these theaters are dark. The stages are empty. What is happening with these theaters? Like what is going on? They're just sitting empty. So I thought, why can't, why can't we put on a, a performance in a theater right now? Like rent out a theater, put on a performance with no audience, but then give people the ability to have a front row seat at their home. Like, why can't that be the new normal for right now? And for me, I just thought, well, I guess I won't know until I try. So I reached out to CLI Studios, who I have taught a lot for, um, for their master classes. And I said, hey, guys, I have this idea. I know it sounds kind of crazy. What do you think? And, um, you know, John and Teddy right away were like, let's do it. And I was like, really? And so I started the first thing was scouting the venues. Where are we going to do this? Can we make it possible? And it, it was like the first one we saw was actually the one we went with. And for me, what was really important was there's been so many beautiful digital seasons, I feel like right now, right? Where we're bringing all of these past beautiful performances to people at home. But I wanted to create a show during the pandemic. I wanted to create new art because I really feel like people right now need escape and they need healing more than ever. And I really believe that dance and art heals. So for me, I was like, I want to do a performance that's now. I want the pieces to be relevant to the time right now. I want um, it's, I want them to, uh, I want there to be something for everyone. So I wanted to have a bunch of different dance styles, not just one, because I wanted to kind of break down those barriers of, okay, this is what a ballet evening looks like. This is what a tap dance evening looks like. This is what a hip hop evening looks like. And I just wanted to make one evening that was for dance and music that would allow the artist to be creative, be inventive, and also bring something new to people at home. So that was kind of my, yeah, my crazy dream. And then it, it, we made it happen. And, you know, safety was by far the highest priority because we had my 85-year-old grandmother living with us. And so, you know, for four months, we didn't see anybody. So the way that I did this was, okay, we have to be very, very careful. And we were very smart and we did it. We wanted to keep the number of artists to a minimum. Um, there was, let's see, five, six, seven, there's 10 of us. So 10 artists. Um, and we were all tested. We were all, we all wore masks um, in the studio until we needed to be on camera. The crew was always in masks. So it, we created a very safe environment um, that felt very comfortable and never felt risky. Uh, so that was also a little challenging to put on a show, but we put it on and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> and tell me about the program. Tell me about the works that you cur curated. So the first program, well, okay, so I'll call it the evening a program. How about that? So the first piece is um, called Unusual Way. And it is with Broadway star Sierra Boggess, who is singing that song. 
um, while I perform a solo that was choreographed by uh, Broadway choreographer and ballet choreographer Christopher Wilden, who I'm sure you guys know very well. Absolutely, um, especially here in the UK, but of course all around the world. Yes, and Chris and I have a very long history. He knew me since I was gotten to the company at around, you know, like 15 is when I got the company. So I think I met Chris when I was like 17 years old. And so I had the privilege of working with him at the New York City Ballet. And when I was thinking about putting this together, I just wanted to blend the genre. So I did want to bring Broadway world into it. And who better than Christopher Wilden, who has that crossover. Um, so that's the first piece with a live cellist and pianist, because having live music on the program was very important to me. Um, then we move to the second piece, which is the syncopated ladies. I'm not sure if you know who they are, but they've been around for about 10 years ago. Chloe Arnold created this company because she felt like there weren't enough women in the tap world leading the way. And she was in New York and she said, I was auditioning for all these things, but it was never for the lead. And I thought, why can the woman never be the lead? And so she put together this. I call them like this, like tap crew. That's like amazing. Um, and so there's five women and um, it's just so powerful. I think to see five strong, beautiful ladies together kind of killing it. And that's exactly what they do. And they all just have such strong voices that I thought I want to make sure that they have a platform right now to be heard because I think it's very important. And then the last piece is kind of mixing everything together. So it's Petrushka. We call it Petrushka Reimagined because it's based off of a ballet that was done like in 1911, um, which is definitely outdated and so many things that are wrong with it. But we made a version that is kind of based off of it, but completely new. So Little Buck plays Petrushka, which is originally made for a classical dancer. Um, I play obviously like the love interest and then Brooklyn Mac plays the third puppet. So we are puppets. Um, and then I brought in hip hop choreographer, Jennifer Weber. And I thought how interesting to kind of bring all these different backgrounds together and, you know, make a piece. And um, we performed it once before um, a few months back, but it was so nice to get together to really work on something right now um, during this crisis where, you know, we've all been missing being in a studio. And um, yeah, so I think that there is a little something for everyone for sure. Sounds absolutely magical. Um, and it's so great that it's also going to be available to stream as well, which is fantastic for those who can't just tune in on the premiere evening. But when you were doing this, what did you learn about yourself in this experience of curating the program? What did you find out that was potentially new or through your journey? Oh, well, I think it's funny because I worked for like two months putting it together. And then once it happened, I said to my mom, like, I literally can't believe we just did that. Like how exactly did we pull off a show right now during COVID? And my mom and dad, they were in the audience watching, you know, there was very few people there. So it was, it was kind of funny because 
you're so used to getting applause and it's just dead silent after you finish. So you're like, oh, that feeling of did it go well? Did it not? Is a little hard because you have silence. Um, but I guess I guess I just was surprised that how much I really love putting together performances and curating an evening and finding new talents and figuring out who will look good together or what new things can I think of that will be um, uh, not normal in a way, you know? And so I've really started loving like the directing, producing side of things, which for me as a dancer um, is kind of new for me. And I feel like um, I'm starting to do it a lot more and that's just how my mind works. So it's been really nice during this time to kind of be able to focus on that a little bit because normally my schedule is so crazy. All I can really focus on is just dancing the next, you know, Swan Lake or really hard ballet. <laughs> so you mentioned Swan Lake there and you're back in the day of when performances were on stage. You've been with New York City Ballet since, well, over 15 years. I think it's going on 16 years. And as you yes. mentioned, you joined the company when you were 15. Um, starting as an apprentice and working your way up through the Corps de Ballet, soloist promoted to principal almost 10 years, well, over 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, you've been at the top of your game for so long. Um, but what what is the, what makes New York City Ballet so special for you? New York City Ballet is, I think, the perfect company for me because of the different styles we get to do. So I grew up doing all kinds. So I, I went to a studio that had every ballet, tap, jazz. That was my kind of studio, hip hop. And ballet was actually my least favorite, which a lot of people are very shocked to hear. And I wasn't that little girl who was like, oh, I, I'm dreaming of being a ballerina. I knew I loved to dance, but I actually loved contemporary, lyrical, jazz. I loved those styles more. And I think it's because they're more accessible when you're younger, meaning like ballet takes the most discipline and it's to classical music. And so I was like, oh, I love dancing to the songs I know and jazz and it's more free and there's more personality that you can kind of see. And so my mom was very clever. She was my first teacher and she was my ballet teacher. And I would always, I always tell this story, but I think it's really funny that I would say, um, you know, I'm not feeling that well today. I think I, I need to take off from ballet. And she would say, oh, okay, well, if you're not feeling good for ballet, you also aren't feeling good for jazz. And then I would say, oh, I'm feeling much better, actually. So I think I could do both. And the lesson she kind of taught me there was that no matter what style of dance you want to go into, ballet is the foundation. And that technique you can carry over to your lifestyle because of the discipline it takes, but also to any form of dance that you want to go in. Like having good technique is never going to be a bad thing. Um, and luckily she made me do that because I would never have this career in New York City Ballet. But why I say this is because having that background where I had all these different styles, I don't think a very classical company would be the right fit for me because I think I would find it somewhat boring because in New York City Ballet, I get to do ballets that feel like jazzy, like who cares? Or I get to have constantly new choreographers coming in who I feel like I'm getting to do contemporary work or um, sometimes even like 
a little hip hop. So for me, New York City Ballet is, is it, it just felt like the right fit for me. And I'm very grateful of the repertoire that we have there. And with all of those different types of roles, and you've worked with such a huge roster of different choreographers, as you just mentioned, but what, what are your favourite roles that really have, you know, you look back and you think, oh, I, I love that and I will continue to always love it? Okay, so I have a few different ones that I'm going to have to say. <laughs> so non-story ballets, I put those in a category. So my favorite non-story ballets are theme and variations, which is so funny because it's supposed to be like the most classical, hardest role for a ballerina. But for some reason, I just love it so much. I don't know if it's the musicality. I, I don't know what it is, but I just love that ballet. So for... For non-story ballets, it'd be Theon Variations, Tchaikovsky Padada, Allegro Brilliant, or Who Cares, which is the jazzy variation that I do, Fascinating Rhythm. Um, for story ballets, at the top would be Capella. That's my favorite because it, it brings together a lot of my loves. I grew up acting a lot. And so when I get to tell stories, it feels very natural and I find it super fulfilling. So Capella and then my second would be um, Swan Lake for sure. And that's because I waited 12 years to premiere Swan Lake. Um, I was given the role very late for a principal dancer. I mean, not late, like I still was super young when I got to do it, but normally if you're gonna do a role and you've been a principal, you kind of do it within like the first three or something years. So being, you know, 12 years in the company, I just kind of thought, oh, that's never, that's not really for me, meaning like they don't see me in that role. So when I was given it at that time in my career, it meant even more to me, I think, because I had waited so long, you know, but I feel like it was the right time when I got to do it. So in a way, I'm so grateful that I didn't do it when I was younger, because I don't think I would have been able to do it as well. And looking forward to the future, what are the what are the roles that you're still hoping will either come into the repertoire or exist that you you still would love to dance? You know, two ballets that New York City doesn't dance is Manon and Giselle. So maybe I'll have to go guest somewhere else and do that for just those two two roles. But I definitely would love the opportunity to you know learn those characters and. Yeah, I've just loved the opportunity to perform those ballets. Well, I'm selfishly hoping that you can come and guest with the Royal Ballet and come to London because our stage is <laughs> a reopening. The Royal Ballet are back on stage. This is something. Don't worry, I haven't thought of, I, it. Has, it has been a thought <laughs> because I really love the company. Whenever I go to London, I, I always see the Royal. I have so much respect for the ballerinas there that I know very well. Marianella, Lauren Cuthbertson are very good friends of mine. And, you know, I just love watching the company. It's such a beautiful company. So it would be an honor to ever come and guest. So maybe we'll just throw it out there in the world. <laughs> well, I think we, the things we throw out will, will hopefully come back. So I'm <laughs> crossing my fingers and, and certainly hoping. <laughs> but as we sort of, you know, here we are in this, you know, sort of holding pattern and this new normal that we're in, 
Um, and of course, you don't know when this is going to really change for you, which you're in quite a different situation to many of the other dancers, including um, the dancers from the Royal that I've spoken to, because that people either, dancers are either returning or know what the journey is to return. So you, you're in this unique situation for you. And I wonder how that feels. It's it's really hard, you know. It's um, like like I said, it's it's I don't deal well with uncertainty, right? I I want to know when I'm gonna, you know. I want to. As dancers, I think we're kind of fixers, meaning like, okay, if something, if I'm doing a step wrong, tell me how to do it, and I'll fix it. So in life, I think we like that as well, meaning. Um, okay, I know I can't perform for these six months, but tell me the date that I'm going to be able to perform. And the hard part is I think they want to be able to tell us that, but they don't know. So we have various um, options, you know, like, okay, if we do the winter season, we'll return on this date. If we do the spring season, we'll return on this date. If we wait to Saratoga, we'll... So honestly, it's kind of by by chance it feels like right now. So that's why I have not wanted to sit down and wait for the return. And I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm just gonna keep going forward and keep making new things and keep hopefully planning more shows. There will be another one in December that you'll be able to see, which is amazing. Um, so I'm just trying to use this time as productively as I can that will make me feel, feel fulfilled. You mentioned a new project. Anything you can talk about that's coming oh, this December program or is it a it's bit too early? It's with, it's with CLI Studios and it will be like a new stage. It's going to have an amazing choreographer attached. It's going to be his evening. Um, and uh, I wish I could tell you more, but they will not let me. But trust me, I do not think the dance world will be disappointed. I've waited my entire career to really work with this person. And so to get to do it over the pandemic was something I will never forget. And honestly, I told him, you know, I'm actually grateful for the pandemic just because I got to work with you. <laughs> well, that is a very, very positive attitude. As you say, you, you like to be uplifted and very, very positive. And we're very excited to hear about the new exciting December program. Yeah. <laughs> something else to look forward to as the winter draws in but and the Christmas is looking less than sparkly yeah so for I wanted to get your advice that you would give to other dancers who are stuck at home and you know their careers are also on a little bit of a pause I guess what advice would you give to other dancers either aspiring professionals who would really, I guess, appreciate some words of wisdom? It's really, it's a very challenging time. And I think for, you know, people to just not admit that is not right. Because I know for, especially the younger dancers are the ones I feel for the most, the ones who don't have set careers and the ones who are kind of in limbo, because I know that this must be very scary for them. And the only thing I would say is be ready. Meaning like when things open, be in that kind of shape that is ready to get that job. That is, um, cause that's how I've used this time. I I'm like, okay, I'm not going to sit down so that when I do get the call that, 
okay, the company's opening back up or come do this performance that I'm ready. And that's just what happened. We're, I'm here in New York getting ready to do a city, New York City Center performance. And I felt like, okay, I'm ready to dance. I'm in shape instead of thinking, okay, I'm, I'm just going to wait until I have something. I would say always kind of plan ahead and be ready because you're going to be the one to get that role because you're going to be the one ready to do it. Um, so that's kind of the way my mentality works. Um, I don't, I don't want to wait for an opportunity to arise. I want to kind of be in front of it so that um, when it does come, you're going to be the one ready, you know? Um, so I would say that try, even though that this is a very hard time not to get discouraged, you know, I'll, also you will feel better if you're dancing every day, even if it's a little bit of portion of the day. It just makes me feel better. There are some days I would wake up and I would feel so down and then I would do my class and I wouldn't even want to do the class because I'd be so like tired or the day we found out our nutcracker wasn't happening. I was so down and I didn't want to do class. And then I did class and I felt so much better. So there really is something in the dance and the physical activity being healing. So that's what I would say. Like, don't give up it will reopen and be ready when it does. That is absolute stellar advice, Tyler. Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to being able to watch a new stage on the CLI Studios website, which, as I mentioned before, is available from the 16th of October onwards. Um, I think I've got that right. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, you know, I want people to know that we're counting the 16th as kind of like our opening night. And then you can watch it. As soon as you buy your ticket, you can watch it whenever. It never expires. That is then your front row seat to watch at your home, at your leisure. Um, so I want to make sure because a lot of people are like, oh, but what if I'm not available on Friday? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's just that when you can very first stream it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. I definitely will be having um, a front row seat at a new stage. I will be getting my ticket and I uh, can't wait to see the program that you have curated. Thank you so much, Tyler. Uh, thank you for having me and I hope everybody enjoys it. Become a patron of The Wonderful World of Dance. Patrons get special rewards and dance discounts for as little as $2 a month. Check out our website for more information. And don't forget to subscribe and give us five stars if you like our podcast show. We'd love it if you did.